Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 7 Friday Night. This week, I'm leading off because Chase thought I should take a more involved role for a change. So let me just connect real fast here and see if we can get the estimable editor of Sports Stars Magazine on the line. All right. Hold on. Here we go. Wait a second. Uh, Wait a sec. That's not Chase. That's Connor. Connor, where's your dad? Uh, Ben, he's not here. Connor, where is your dad? He's in Las Vegas. Las Vegas, huh? Did he say anything about recording our podcast? No. Did he leave you any instructions at all? Well, he said uh, he kept telling me to do my homework and put it all on red. Oh, gee. Oh, no. Uh, Connor, about about your college fund, man, I, I got to go. Okay. the lights it's seven friday night welcome everyone to the latest edition of seven friday night now as you heard i tried to get in touch with my partner in crime sports stars editor chase bryson but learned from his son connor that he decamped to las vegas after waiting patiently, because I am always patient, and briefly considering casting Ken Jung in his place, it seems that Chase has returned. So before I take you to task for depriving our listeners of their high-quality football analysis, what do you have to say for yourself, sir? Not much, man. I just I was just trying to get out of town, and... So I'm back, and, and from the sounds of that opening segment this week, it seems as though you really manned the seven Friday night fort with ease. But perhaps that shouldn't have surprised me. I wasn't even out of town yet, and you're showing up to the wrong school for your Friday game. In the immortal words of guest show host DeAndre Cole, played by the one and only Keenan Thompson, what's up with that? <laughs> that is true. That is a true statement. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, when we talk about my experience on Friday night, but yes, I did go to the wrong school and I have a reason. I always have a reason. Of course, you're going to lead off with that. So, well, you know, you had to have a comeback. It's okay. But uh, before, you know, we should, we should transition into actual things that people want to listen to. And and before you escaped for buffets, booze, and bets, <laughs> You actually did attend a significant game on Friday night. You even made it there on your first try. So you got that over me. <laughs> Operating under the assumption that you still have some memory left after this weekend, what can you tell us about Sarah's win at De La Salle, the game that everyone is talking about? Well, I can tell you that we now for sure have to crown Sarah, at least for the moment. Crown him. They successfully pulled off the double we talked about last week, beating our number one and number two teams on the road on consecutive weeks. Remarkable. And this past Friday at De La Salle, they came from 14 points down and outscored the Spartans 17-0 in the fourth quarter to do it. Impressions of our new number one, they are exceptionally balanced, both offensively and defensively. I really like the play of the Padres linebacker core, led by Marley Alipati, Jabari Mann, and Danny New. Also, the pass rush, led by senior Sam Goloskowski, who earned a shout-out from guest 
Ryan Silver last week was very impressive. But perhaps the biggest reason Sarah won was junior quarterback Maliaki Smith. De La Salle stuffed the Padres running game and dared Smith to make plays, and he did. He made big-time pressure throws all night. And I actually have some post-game audio I'm going to share of Coach Patrick Walsh talking about Smith's efforts. So let's listen to that. What can you say about the poise of your quarterback tonight? He, he was born tonight, really. And I, you know, a lot of people talked about, you know, Malawaki, Maui Smith. We call him Maui because most people can't say his first name. So <laughs> everyone knows where Maui is. So we call him Maui. And, you know, oh, God, he was great. He was just great. And I thought one of the big question marks for that, we knew we couldn't push around De La Salle like, uh, like we did make potentially the week before with Folsom. So this was his night. So we saw a lot of different things. You know, he scrambled to throw. He scrambled. He made great decisions. Um, he got the play call from a great play call from Coach Darius Bell, who I think is one of the best quarterback coaches in California. And if you look at some of the quarterbacks we've had, uh, I, you know, just look at the resume. And with his brain and him working with Maui, you know, the sky's on. As for De La Salle, it stings. But stepping back and adding perspective, they played well enough for three quarters to put Sarah on the ropes. They definitely have a few areas they need to shore up, but it was still a scenario where Sarah had to do everything right to bring home the win at the end. One or two breaks the other way, and the Spartans probably would have prevailed. I expect them to bounce back in a big way against St. Francis this week, certainly with the added motivation of last year's loss coupled with last week's defeat. And one constant with De La Salle over the years, as you and I both know, they only get better as the season goes along. So that was my impressions from what was really a fun game to cover. It was really a game. Uh, anyone who watched at home well into the the late night probably enjoyed it as well. It was a good game for sure. So you saw a much different game on Friday. Tell us about your night up on the hill by way of the island. Uh, yeah. Uh, before I get to my travels on Friday, I will add to your analysis. I did get home in time to see the end of the game because you went late into the night, like you said. And then I also went back and, and watched most of the game on DVR. I'll, I'll just echo what you said. And uh, we shared some texts with Coach Edson as well. Um, it was an early season game, a lot of mistakes for both sides, uh, the Padres and the Spartans, and they'll both get those cleaned up. But uh, yeah, number one in all the land right now, unquestionably. And uh, the sky is the limit for Coach Walsh's crew. Um, so yes, uh, when we looked at the board for last week's games, we actually switched my destination like three different times. Uh, and, and even speculating late into Friday afternoon, whether I should be going where I was going. But in the end, we decided to focus on what we do best at Sports Stars, telling a good story. So I hopped in the car, very excited to head to Alameda for a game for the first time in many, many years. Uh, I got there with no traffic troubles uh, <laughs> to see Ensenel play Miramani. And what greeted me, Chase? Geese. Geese greeted me. That's who was playing a game on the field. They had footballs and everything. Helmets, the whole works. Uh, so I, I did the little turnaround. I had a little moment of panic. I consulted the Google machine, and I found that while one set of schedules said that the game was at Encino, the other said Miramani. Luckily, since it was Friday night, traffic back through the Caldecott Tunnel actually wasn't bad because people had left work early. So I made it to uh, Orinda with plenty of time to spare. There was a reason. The game did officially get moved, correct? Correct. Coach Schramm uh, told me, or told he may have even actually told the crowd, um, when he did a little halftime interview, which was unique, um, that it was, it's part of the officiating struggles that we've had 
throughout Northern California. Uh, I'm going to guess that the association on that side of the tunnel didn't have enough. And so they moved the game to Miramani. Um, so yes, there's always an excuse for me. You know that. That is the backstory. Uh, but I did go to Miramani to work on a story for our digital magazine edition this week on UCLA quarterback commit Luke Duncan. First impressions, he is all of six foot six. He throws an absolutely beautiful ball, and he has all the characteristics you think of when you think of a next level quarterback. Uh, after the game, I had a chance to chat with him, his fellow senior John Williams, who I was told I need to address as J Dub. I tried to yell out John and get him to stay on the field. And coach Shram goes, no, no, you got to call him J dub or he won't come. Uh, I spoke with Miramani head coach, Jack Shram. And then finally Miramani's new quarterbacks coach who will be familiar to you Cal football fans who listen, uh, the great Ross Bowers, the product of those conversations is available in this week's digital magazine. So I'll encourage everyone to go check that out. Um, but I will give you some content that didn't make the story. I want to talk a little bit about Ross Bowers, actually. Uh, that guy is a head coach. He will be a head coach at the high school level. His philosophies on football, his outlook on the game, and just that charisma that I think you need to be an effective coach, he has all of that. Um, I really enjoy talking to him. I really enjoy talking to Luke Duncan, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, where they go from here. Anybody from Encinal that you that stood out to you at all? Oh, man. Uh Yes. Let me consult my roster here because yes, there was, they have a corner who had an interception uh, and he was also a very good receiver. I'm going to find it for you. Hold, hold please. Sorry. I went off script. Yeah. The the people should know that this was not in the script that I prepared this weekend while Chase was in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, it, his name is Marcus Singleton. Marcus Singleton, the Marcus name Singleton. to know for uh, Encinal, uh, right. two-way guy on the perimeter. So, yeah, Encinal's not a bad team, but, um, you know, they'll be competitive in, in their their Super League um, in their area, but uh, Miramani had a little bit too much. Got it. Well, those, uh, yeah, those are the two games we saw last week. I actually did not watch a ton more on uh, the interwebs like I usually do. Um but I did get a chance to see Cal play the second half against UC Davis. So, you know, I'm a winner. There you go. Um, let's see. There was plenty of other good football in other places. So what do you say we break down some other results by giving ourselves a chance to do something we never got to as newspaper writers? <laughs> and I still don't get to as a magazine writer, but you do as a magazine editor, writing our own headline. Uh, I'll give this one to you first. If you had to write a headline for this week, what would it be? All right. Well, uh, my headline for this week would have been nobody's safe. Mm -hmm. In addition to seeing De La Salle cough up a 14-point lead on their home field, there were some super eye-opening scores involving high-ranked teams. Our number five, number six, and number 12 teams all suffered losses at home. And two of the games weren't even that close, really. Number five, St. Francis fell 28-7 to Monterey Trail of Elk Grove. Number six, Central Catholic of Modesto, got blasted 47-7 by number seven, St. Mary Stockton. And number 12, Clayton Valley, got burned 31-27 by an unranked opponent in Del Oro Loomis, who's now 3-0. With so much intersectional play, we're really getting to see the depth of quality programs in NorCal right now. And that's I, I just that's playing out um, throughout, throughout NorCal right now with, with all these matchups. 
uh, and potential upsets. Um, so yeah, I, nobody's safe right now. You better bring your A game uh, if you're a ranked team and you want to stay there. Let's hear your headline. You go. So nobody's safe. I like that. If if I had to write a headline for this week, it would be challenge accepted. <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh took on the challenge of a heavyweight Nevada team and Liberty Henderson enrolled to a 30 to two victory in San Diego. You mentioned St. Mary's of Stockton uh, took on the rivalry challenge of facing Central Catholic and had no trouble. Monterey Trail took on the challenge of not starting 0-3 and went to Mountain View and won against St. Francis. And Campo took on the challenge of avenging last year's most shocking loss and came up with a big rally to beat Aptos. So challenge accepted. That's good. Last week. That's good. Speaking of headlines, uh, Sheldon of Sacramento was another that's making a lot of them early in the season. The Huskies have outscored their first three opponents by an average of 45.6 points, which included a 42-14 drubbing of Christian Brothers Sacramento this past Friday. This week, they'll finally go out of section, playing one of those intersectional games that helps establish you like we just talked about. They're going to host 2-0 Akalanis of Lafayette in what should be a good test for both squads. With that in mind, we thought it would be a good week to catch up with Sheldon coach Chris Nixon. With me in Sin City, Ben tackled this one on his own. We'll give him credit for that. Let's listen in. Well, if you've been paying attention to Sac Joaquin section football this year, you know there's a team in South Sacramento putting up some seriously big numbers. The Sheldon Huskies have rolled to a 3-0 start and have outscored their opponents by a total of 176-39. to Most recently, they beat a quality Christian Brothers squad, 42-14, to and before they welcome Akalanis High of Lafayette to town this week, I thought I'd catch up with the head coach of the Huskies, Chris Nixon, to get his take on his team's hot start. Coach Nixon, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Ben. It's awesome to be here. Well, let's uh, let's start with the first three weeks of the year from kind of a whole team perspective. Generally, what's been working so well for your squad this year? Well, you know, I, I, as usual, when you when you you have teams off to good starts, it usually starts in the spring and winter in the weight room. And these guys were committed from the get-go at, at, at becoming the best possible team that they could be. So they had, I had a, a core group in there um, all year long, carried it through to, to uh, summer and, uh, and beyond. Um, excited uh, with the way we have been playing, uh, but also um, cautious because it's just week three and uh, we want to get better and have to get better. Uh, there's no team uh, at this point, I think, that is a – a playoff caliber team. Everybody gets that way through the course of the season and getting better every week. I mentioned the point totals and I want to quote one of our podcast friends, uh, Joe D Joe Davidson of the Sacramento B when he tweeted yesterday that if it wasn't Devin green running for big yards, it was the combo of Josiah Machado and Scott Nixon, a guy you might be familiar with doing, uh, doing damage. Uh, He added that in his estimation, it's as good of a quarterback to wide receiver tight end combo as there is in the Sac Joaquin section. So I want to talk a little offense and I want to start with the youngster, although he's not young. Uh, how good has Devin Green been and how good can he be throughout the season as a true bell cow running back for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Devin's phenomenal. He uh, in that in that COVID shortened season, he played some uh, defense for us uh, on the varsity as a freshman Um and really Blossom came into his own last year as a sophomore and uh, and ready to really carry the load. And I know he looks up to uh, 
uh, our receiver DB coach, Ryan Robards, because he did so much for us in 2015 at Elk Grove and kind of looks to that for uh, example, uh, um, you know, on, on how to do what he does. And he does it, uh, he does it phenomenally. Uh, I would say that, that without that, that offensive line in front of him, um, it may be, it may, may be more struggle or may have been more struggle, but to this point, those guys uh, have played excellent. They've done a great job across the front. Yeah. It's always kind of fun to ask the coach about his son, but man, Joe D could really be right on this one. How have you seen Josiah and Scott grow in their partnership and how much confidence do you have that no matter what play gets called into the huddle, they're, they're going to find a way to make something work. Yeah, that's a, uh, it, it's a, it's a combination that goes back years and years and years. I, I, I remember in youth football coaching both of them together and then they both, Went separate ways in high school. Uh, Josiah ended up moving to Folsom uh, and uh, Scott to Sheldon. Uh, but uh, Josiah coming back to uh, the Elk Grove area his junior year last year, uh, it was a whole lot of fun seeing those guys reconnect and do what they do. Uh, they seem to have that Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup kind of connection there where where they know, you know, where each of them is, is on the field at any given point in time. And, uh, you know, and, and again, a team effort. And we always talk about that other receivers out there doing a great job with what they do and the offensive line, giving Josiah some protection, uh, lots of protection. And uh, it's been fun to see. So Honest comes in this week, uh, school a little closer to home for me and Floyd, uh, Floyd Burns said East Bay coaching legend, been doing it a long time. You always know that his teams are going to spread you out, try to get the ball into space. What's on the scout board this week? What does Sheldon need to do to uh, be successful against a good team coming from the Bay Area? Well, I'm gonna have to pick your brain on this one, Ben, because I've watched I've watched that film and I'm in an awe. Uh, they are very well coached, um, exactly as you said. They get the ball to their playmakers in space. Um, very sound at what they do defensively, um, offensively. Fun to watch, but but maybe not so much when you're the opponent. Um, and, and I think it's going to take more of us getting better, uh, each and every week. Uh, you know, I thought we played well against Christian brothers, but watching this team and what they do and how they do it, uh, we'll have to step up. We'll step our game up. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're always competitive. They're playing a competitive league and early in the year, it feels like, uh, they always, they schedule tough. So, um, it's, it's another tough test for them for sure. Um, We'll wrap it up by talking a little bit about the region. Uh, you know, looking at the first couple of weeks of the season, you guys in Jesuit are obviously off to a good start. Elk Grove has tested itself, and maybe their record reflects that. And the rest of the Delta League looks like it might be searching for a little bit of footing early. But where do you see the level of the league right now? And, and um, you know, you, you do Aqualanus, you get Aqualanus, and then it's off to uh, start taking on league. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and you, you definitely can't overlook Aqualanus for sure. But uh, the following week, it's our uh, it's our Jesuit week, and that's going to be a Saturday game at Jesuit, which is always uh, a, a challenge, um, more of a challenge than than say playing on a Friday night. They have that home field advantage when they're playing at one o'clock on a Saturday. When hopefully we we can cool down a little bit, but maybe 106, 107. Um, you know, and from there it doesn't get any easier. Like you said, Elk Grove's a very very good team, and we'll have them a few weeks later. Um, you know, and and it's Kasumas Oaks, any given Friday night, uh, they've got athletes, they've got players. 
Um, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be a, a real uh, challenge to to get through uh, the Delta League um, with with some positive uh, positive wins. Well, that uh, that about wraps it up, Coach. Thanks again for taking some time to chat. For those who want to stop by to see a quality non-league game on Friday, and maybe even say hi to yours truly, take the cruise down to Calvine, down Calvine, and uh, stop at Sheldon, seven o'clock against Akalanis of Lafayette. Hopefully it won't still be 106 degrees at seven o'clock on Friday night. Uh, Coach, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ben. And now we're going to take a quick timeout for a quick message from Sports Stars Magazine's podcast partner, the California Army National Guard. At some point, your community will be challenged. It could be a flood, forest fire, hurricane, or civil unrest. When it happens, be the one to answer the call. Rescue the stranded. Protect the threatened. Save the injured. Join the National Guard and serve your community when it needs you most. Visit nationalguard.com to find out more. Well, we want to thank Coach Nixon for taking some time to talk Huskies football. Now we switch gears as it's time for our weekly chat with Coach Terry Edson. Due to my travel schedule, we caught up with him a few days removed from the Spartans' loss. Was that time for him to heal or time for him to stew and eventually explode? Let's find out. Well, we are back for another chat with Coach Terry Edson. I wonder what we're going to talk about this week. Coach, did watching Friday night's big game between Sarah and the Spartans make you glad you're retired? <laughs> uh, yes and no. I actually uh, had to go home and calm down. I felt like not that not as bad as when I was coaching, but I told my wife, it's like, yeah, I'm not coming to bed for a while. So I had to make myself some calming chamomile tea to, and to just come down from that. I was, yeah, I was, uh, you know, these guys, I know these players, you know, I teach the players still and some were still in my after school program. And of course I'm still really good friends with the coaching staff. So it was uh, painful to watch. And even though I'm still not coaching, I just, I'm not like detached from the program or anything like that. So, um, that was difficult to watch. I mean, I'm happy for Patrick, no doubt about it, but I, he can go win every other game. <laughs> this was one that I wanted the Spartans to win, no doubt about it. So, Well, before you give your thoughts, your full thoughts on Sarah's fourth, fourth quarter, 14 point comeback and win, I've got a quick trivia question for you. Um, in your 30 plus years on the sideline, uh, speaking of times where you probably needed to calm down in your 30 plus years of the sideline, De La Salle blew a 14 point lead and lost only one time. Do you remember which game that was in the fourth period? Yeah, you, it was actually, you, you had a 14 point lead at halftime and you ended up losing on a game winning field goal. Oh yeah. Would that be East? No, it was Bosco. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Oh, I didn't know you wanted Bosco. Yeah, the Bosco game that you, you played at home, not the road game, the one you played here. Um, you had a 21-7 lead, and they won 23-21. Oh, Bosco, New Jersey. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Don Bosco. Yeah, I forgot yeah. you played multiple Bosco. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was Lad's fault. He admitted it afterwards with his play calling <laughs> in the fourth period. So, yeah. You know, so the key thing to that game was – um, and I always talk to the, and, and I, it was like another moment of coaching is, um, 
is that they were driving in the beginning of the third quarter and they put the ball on the carpet. And the rule is if you have a clear shot, you know, the ball bounces in your hands. We always tell them pick it and go. But if you know, if you, if it's on the ground and rolling, just fall on it. And we, we tried to pick it and run. I mean, not pick it. We tried to pick it off the ground and run instead of just falling on it. And that would have killed the momentum and the drive. And we kicked it right back to them and they got the ball back and they went down and scored. That was the key. If we just would have fallen on the fumble, I think that would have been a whole different uh, ball game. But yeah, that, that was a game we let, we, we should have won. There's no doubt about it. That was the only, that was your only 14 point lead blown. And that, and that is one of the games that were live that still haunted him on some fourth quarter calls that he made. It's funny how you mentioned that game. Uh, 14 points also continues to be the largest lead ever blown. You guys have never blown a bigger lead than that. Uh, I'll give a well, shout so out. I, I guess that's positive. These were not North Carolina given 40 up in the fourth quarter. Appalachian State. So. <laughs> I actually texted that to Justin. I said, Hey, North Carolina just gave up 40 points in the fourth quarter. And he's like, yeah, I don't feel any better. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Those facts came from De La Salle broadcaster and, and general Spartans historian, Damon Esper. He also, I'm going to give you one more thing. He, he also noted that coupled with last year's season ending defeat to Folsom, it's the first time De La Salle has lost consecutive games at Owen Owens Field since yeah. 1978. Uh, yeah. The year I was born I, and the last yeah. season before a young Bob Latticer took over the program. So oh, with that super fun build up, <laughs> what were your overall impressions of, of the game itself? Well, I think both teams would agree. You know, if you watch the game, which a lot of people do on ESPN, you were there live. It was a great crowd and a great atmosphere, but that was a real sloppy game for both teams. There, there's no, it was not, I mean, I don't think I'm going to surprise anybody by saying, you know, that was not a well-played high school football game. And there's a lot of early, you know, two good, that's one, that's the one problem when two teams, two really good teams play each other early in the season. They're both trying to work out the kinks. I mean, there's a lot of um, self-implosion out there. You do get you get a lot of you get a lot of penalties, a lot of fumbles, um, you know, plays that you know the fans don't really know or don't really see. But for both teams, plays that are wide open, you know, the quarterbacks you know didn't see this guy or that guy, and it was. Um, I'm sure. To be honest with you, I know Patrick's happy that he got the win, but I guarantee you when he's watching Phil's next day, they weren't as happy as they were Friday night. They knew they, they made a ton of mistakes. We made a ton of mistakes. And that's what I was talking about. Remember when I when we were talking about early in the podcast a couple of weeks ago about the opening of practice and how exciting it is to get on the field and you start seeing all the work you have to do. And that's high school football, early season, both teams now are looking at like, wow, we've got so much work to, to do the difference i think is that both those programs are going to see a, a, if they play each other if they were and i'm not saying we are but if we we're to play each other like week 13 you'd see two completely different teams which makes um that's i think that's is the value of good programs they get better week in week out and I, hopefully you'll see both teams become their true self i didn't i don't think we saw both teams at its true self Friday night. And, uh, and that was unfortunate because I know both teams wanted to play really well. They're on ESPNU and um, I don't think things happened the way they wanted to. So unfortunately, it's just the way it is though. 
Well, I uh, I was one of the ones that watched it on back on television. Um, it was a tough ticket to get, you know. It was it was tough, but uh, I I went somewhere else and I watched it on TV. I had the same takeaways that it uh, it was just a kind of sloppy early season football game. But because I'm Mister Positive this year, I will pull out the positives and I will ask you all the scenes after the game. You could really tell what this meant to Coach Walsh. How big a deal is this for him personally and for Sarah to finally get over that hurdle that he's never gotten over in his career before? Well, yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he's playing at Coy in the newspapers <laughs> because, you know, De La Salle has been uh, pretty much the ogre on top of the mountain there that needed to get knocked off. And now that they've gone to the state game, um, you know, they, they took that one step and now they, they've beaten, you know, that was his 11th try at beating Del Sal. Now they, they finally beat Del Sal. So now you've got your program now where you got the kids believing that, you know, not, it goes from no matter what you've done um, as a coach in your program, if you haven't beaten a team, you're always kind of the mode, like, you know, you, you talk confidently that you can do it, but I think the kids in the back of their minds are kind of like, I hope we can do it. Now his, now his program and his kids know they can do it. And that, that's the, the huge hurdle that you have to get over for a program to kind of get to that upper echelon. And I'm sure now, I mean, you know, I told you I'm not going to pull, you know, I'm not going to pull any punches this year and try to sugarcoat it. The whole East Bay now, I'm sure, is saying De La Salle's vulnerable, and they have a, a every right to say that. And uh, that's something the Spartans are going to have to deal with. Kids are going to come in with more confidence with them. If you get up on a team, they're not they're not in the old days. I'd say, you know, when I was coaching, when we get up on teams, you could just see the sidelines kind of taking that approach of, oh, here it comes. You know, that's that's not going to be that way. So um, you can expect De La Salle to be in more tighter games and and they're going to have to prove themselves now. I mean, they've kind of opened the door in the last two years to saying, you know, maybe the Spartans aren't the Spartans that everyone thought they were, and they're going to have to uh, use that as a lesson and, and get back to work. I mean, that's the only way I can say it, but it's just the truth. Why, if you're in, you're a team that's been close to Del Sal or, you know, St. Francis did it last year. I'm sure Folsom's not intimidated. Pittsburgh High School's not going to be intimidated. Other teams have been kind of on the, you know, been on those teams that Del Sal is, is beaten on the bass. I'm sure they're kind of looking at it and going like, hey, it's been proven that they can be beaten now. So um, that's something we, the position we put ourselves in. So that's just the reality, right? Yep. Was there anything that, that specifically, I mean, if you had to pick one thing about Sarah's performance, was there anything that impressed you? Well, I thought the quarterback play was the difference. There, there's no doubt about it. I, I, I don't, I don't have the chart with me like that, but I don't know how many third and fourth downs he got them out of, but I mean, there was so many times where, you know, third and 15 supposed to be, you know, um, advantage defense and it turned into <laughs> You know, he turned that advantage, that uh, disadvantage into advantage for Sarah. So they got a lot of first downs on third and longs, and they, I think they converted two fourth downs. I mean, there was that one drive when they scored um, to knock it to within seven. There's a couple times if we just would have, you know, gotten uh, 
you know, stopped him on fourth down or third and long probably would have changed the game, but right there, he was able to, you know, with his legs and his arms. So he was the difference maker of the game. And so that's what probably impressed me the most. Well, coach, as, as you were, as you're very well aware, I was actually in Vegas over the weekend. I went to take part in a fantasy football draft, which reminds me that we haven't checked in on the team you share with Pittsburgh coach Vic Galley. <laughs> Have you guys drafted your team yet? And if so, oh, yeah, we yeah. yes, we did. And he is, this was his exact words. <laughs> Don't get on that podcast and start talking smack because we have two bears on our team. I don't want to hear it from you. And so I was like, what, me? Missing me? But I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to be, like I said, I'm, I don't lie. So I, I actually did it with my blessing. Uh, we picked up a Mooney, the receiver. <laughs> which we're not going to start. And, uh, but Montgomery also the running back. I think that's a legit pick. So, and we got Roquan Smith as our inside linebacker, which I have absolutely, that's the one guy I love as a linebacker. So we do have three bears. Uh, uh, and I, I actually signed off on those, but when you wanted to go Cole commit, that's when I put the, no, no, we're not getting three bears on our team. All right. On offense. There's no way. So, uh, He's happy. I'm happy. We, um, you know, we, we're, we're going to ride with, um, we'll see how he does Kyler Murray one more year here. So we'll see if that works out. So we'll see what happens to our team. I got a Raider though. Got Carlson, the kicker. So, uh, I wanted McPherson, but he got picked ahead of us. So Chase came back. So I was fully prepared to get on the pods this week going, you know, maybe we should schedule some time with Coach Galley, 49ers, Bears this weekend, talk oh, a lot of mess. Yes, there talk we a go. lot of mess. But Chase came back and there were photos of him at the Raiders' new stadium. I think he's on your team now, man. I think he's <laughs> Team Silver and Black. Way to come to the dark side, Chase. Good <laughs> That's job. what everyone says. Way to go. Just lame. Yeah. Just yeah. lame. Well, I, uh, I, I think I already told Vic we're not playing any Bears this week. They're going against the Niners. I believe that defense is pretty darn good. So, uh, uh, the secondary questions in the secondary, my friend. We'll see. Justin Fields is the quarterback, dude. The questions just got answered. I'm just, I'm okay. just saying. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's uh. Well, we've we're gonna settle in for a weekend, a full weekend of football. Are you excited for a full Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of football? Oh, I, I tell you what. After watching that LSU Florida uh, Florida State game, here we go. Let's. <laughs> I even explained to my wife with the wing guy, with the wing, letting the guy on the inside through to block that PAT. Even she understood how dumb that was to not block down on that guy. I mean, it's the shortest point. This is major college football. How do you let a guy block a PAT like that? Well, I'll tell you how first game. That's, that's how this stuff happened. It's crazy. Football early is hilarious. All right. Well, we're, we're settling in. We'll catch up with you. Uh, thursday for some picks i'm sure that'll be a fun discussion yeah i mean um does it matter what day we do picks for me <laughs> we could do picks after the game i'd probably still lose two out of three so uh... <laughs> all right talk to you thursday coach okay boys all right i'm not sure how much healing we did but it was another fine segment with our friend the ball coach chase that about does it for this week Tell the good people where they can find our magnificent musings. All right. 
We want to once again thank Sheldon High Coach Chris Nixon for joining us this week, as well as Coach Edson for making his usual stop. We build seven Friday night using Anchor, but the show is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for seven Friday night and please rate and subscribe. Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportsstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there and check out a variety of bonus items that we tend to include. Maybe this week you might see a photo or two from my vacation in Vegas. Also, follow the show on Twitter at, at @sportsstarspods, and you should also be following Sports Stars Magazine at, at @sportsstarsmag. That's where you get all the latest updates on upcoming guests and more. Our cover art features photography and designed by yours truly. Our theme music was produced by Dustin Phillips, who performs in multiple bands in the Sacramento area. And that's the end of your favorite segment of the show, Ben. So give us some final thoughts. Final thoughts. Well, for starters, I am glad you made it back without crushing debt or a hangover <laughs> the size of Wyoming. This is a sneaky week for matchups, my friend. I'm, I am, you mentioned it. I'm really excited to get a chance to see Sheldon. Coach Nixon did invite me to grab the secret squirrel otter pops from the cooler. So I'm kind of fired up about that. But in all honesty, I'll end this week with a PSA. It is stupid hot this week. Everyone involved in high school football stay as cool as humanly possible. Hopefully we end up pushing some of these start times back a bit on Friday. Uh, I'm since maybe speaking in self-preservation here, uh, but let's all make it through the heat for another great week of football. Yep. A lot of good matchups on the board. It'll be interesting to see uh, what, what headlines will be right next week. That'll be interesting. Uh, and until, uh, until then, make sure you catch us uh, in our Thursday, basically tomorrow, because we're coming out on Wednesday. So catch us in tomorrow's, pick them show that's not hangover related chase just has a complicated relationship with time and day <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow for the pick em show hydrate <laughs>